0: Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey, and if this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad you've joined us. If you want to hear uh, previous podcasts, you can check them out on soundcloud.com or on iTunes by searching Jillian Pelkey Activate. All right, we are going to pray and then get right into what the Lord has for us today. Let's bow our hearts and, and pray. God, I thank you that you hear us when we call to you. God, I thank you that you hear every word that we say, that you know every thought that we think, that you know when we sit down and when we get up again, you know the motives that we have, you you understand why we do things, you know how many hairs are on my head and which ones are brown and which ones are gray, you know everything about me, God. God, thank you for knowing us so well. Thank you for creating us on purpose. God, I pray that we would recognize you with us all the time, that we would recognize that, God, you never leave us. I pray today that through your word, our hearts would settle just a little bit more, that through your word today, God, we would trust you just a little bit more, that we would realize that in you we are completely safe. Father, have your way in this teaching in the next few moments. Have your way in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. In our Christian life, we learn different things. and. In- after I learned things, there's so many times where I look back over my life and I'm like, wow, how did I ever survive not knowing that? How did I ever make it through not knowing? And it, it sparks this thing in me where I want to go back and tell people you know, who are journeying behind me in their Christian faith, like I want to go back and be like, guys, listen, <laughs> here's what I learned. You can get through this or here's, here's what's going on here. Because um, I feel like if I had known, <laughs> I would be better off. In my life, I've seen a lot of, of hard moments and, and dark seasons and dry seasons. And you could call it a desert. You could call it a, um, a valley. I've seen a lot of stuff like that. And I didn't realize, I mean, I kind of realized, but I didn't fully realize that every dark moment that God was going to use it. And like, technically, I knew that. But I didn't realize really that every great man and woman of God went through really bad stuff before God used them in a mighty way. They went through long seasons of ugly before something great came out of it. Christine Kane says that She says, disappointment leads to appointment. Disappointment leads to appointment. I think that's really neat. It's easy to say that sitting here recording a podcast. <laughs> that's really neat. <laughs> but as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, As you walk through dark times and hard times and desert seasons and things just look awful or you feel invisible or things are really hard. God uses all of that just like he used it all for Moses. I mean, Moses didn't lead the people out of Israel until he was a senior citizen. Could you imagine your assignment from God starting After you retire, (laughs) could you imagine? And it happens time and time again, it happens. You look at people like Joseph, and he was uh, beaten and sold by his brothers. He was thrown in jail. I mean, you think of all the stuff that happened to him, and in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the hard situation, we have so many examples of people who have gone through hell on earth, (laughs) And then God uses them. And I think that God does that partly so we can learn to trust Him, to kind of refine us so that we will know that when when He has this great assignment for us or this great thing for us to do, we know that we know that we know that we know that it all comes from Him. That it's not because we're great. It's not because we've got things figured out. But all that we have that's good is from God. Every good and perfect gift is from coming down from the Father of Lights. We get to know God in our pain. We get to know God in our suffering. When everything is good, when everything is comfortable, it's so easy to get lazy. You look at different countries around the world, and you look at America compared to communist China or um, deep in South America. or you, the, the level of comfort that Americans have There are no refugees leaving America to go to other countries. No, refugees are coming here because their countries are war-torn and and suffering from starvation and, and violence. We have such comfort here that it's easy to get complacent. I was talking to missionary friends recently, and they were talking about how little tiny churches tend to give the biggest offering. And giant churches with all the programs and all the people and all the lights and all the computer sound systems tend to give smaller offerings. And why is this? It's because in a little tiny church, you know that your $50 offering is going to make a difference. You know that your offering has to be part of the pie, to make it complete. You know that what you're doing matters and is, is vital. And in a huge church, you can sit back, you can hide, you can blend in, you can be one of the crowd and not get noticed. And I think that God uses hard seasons. He uses small churches. He uses things that uh, the rest of the world wouldn't use to do great and glorious things. And absolutely God can use big churches and absolutely God could use our easy times, but it tends to be that in our our hard times that prepare us for glory, that prepares for the good things, because we've been tested and tried, our pride is stripped away and we've realized that we do it all through Jesus. And so um, when we're walking through hard times, it's easy for us to get preoccupied with our problems and with our worries and with our, with our angst. Angst is such a funny word. Angst is that, that unsettled feeling that things are just not right yet, that something else has to be done, that this isn't complete yet. And I think God uses that to draw us to seek him. Bible says to seek him with all of our hearts, and we will find him, and he will show us great and unsearchable things that we do not know. There are things that God knows that we do not know. Let that settle in your heart for a minute. There are things, a lot of things, a lot, a lot, a lot of things that God knows that you don't know. And if you seek him, he'll tell you those answers. He'll reveal by his word, by the scripture, by the Bible. By his voice, by other people, by circumstances and situations, he'll reveal things to you that you literally do not know. And what happens in our pride and in our comfort and in our our laid backness is we feel like we know stuff, we feel like we're okay, so we're not driven to seek God. How much more do you pray during a crisis? How much more do you call out to the prayer warriors to come alongside you and pray? Or how much more do you read the Bible when you're in hard situations than when everything is going well? But it's so easy to become preoccupied with our problems. It's so easy to be focused on those and to forget that Jesus is the one we should be seeking. Jesus is the one we should be thinking on. Jesus is the one we should be calling out to. Many times in our problems, we're calling out to our problem. We're explaining to people our problem. We're focusing on our problem. We're um, dwelling and thinking, and and our, our mind is full of our problem rather than with Jesus. I want to read Psalm chapter four to you, and then uh, we're going to get right into what we're going to talk about today, which is, is how close Jesus is to us. So uh, Psalm chapter four, I'm going to read it in its entirety. In the NIV version, it says, it's a Psalm of David, King David, and he says, answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifice of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. There's the verse that say, you know, unless the, the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen are watching in vain. Or unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. Unless God is in it, It's worthless so you can have everything that you ever wanted, but if, if it's not from the Lord, it will not last. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing built in your life comes from the Lord. But there are so many things that are, are, are fallible and are, are fakes. They're, they may look like a diamond chiseled uh, through fire, but they're not. They're imposters. And so, to find the trueness of what God has for your life, to find the real thing, we have to go through fire. We have to go through trials. We have to get rid of all the things that are extra and are not of the Lord. Psalm forces: Who will bring us prosperity? Only Jesus. Prosperity that comes from money can fail. Prosperity that comes from our own workings can fail, but the things of the Lord, you know, the words of the Lord are tested and true. So if God says it, there's nothing that can change it. Nothing. But if we come up with an idea or we come up with something we want to happen, it could change. It could fail. It could fade away. But the words of the Lord, the, the, the statutes of the Lord are true. They're yes and amen from beginning to end. All right, so I want to talk about how we're sometimes preoccupied with our problems, too preoccupied to look at Jesus. And there is a, an example of this in Luke chapter 24. This is the account of the, the men on the road to Emmaus. Now, Jesus has predicted his death And he has word for word spelled it out. He has said plain as day that I'm going to die. And three days later, I will be raised to life again. He says it straight out. He also uh, just alludes to it in stories and in in, in, um, parables. And he says things like, uh, I am like the temple. I can destroy it and in three days rebuild it. And people are like, what are you talking about? It took us 40 years to build the temple. And he was talking about himself. So he says it straight out. He alludes to it. And it's also a third way that, that it's shown is, is through the Old Testament, through the Holy Scriptures. Everything that was prophesied about Jesus' birth came true. Everything that was prophesied about his life on earth came true. And so you can see that through the prophecy that Jesus was going to be crucified and raised back to life. It was as clear as day. It was spelled out clear. It was uh, alluded to through parables, and it was also uh, prophesied through ancient scripture. And so it was pretty clear what was going to happen, but the people of the day assumed that it was going to happen a certain way. They thought that Jesus was going to die, be raised back to life, and he was going to overthrow the Jewish political situation, that he was going to overthrow the Romans, that he was going to change the politics and the, the finances and the nation. And so when Jesus died and three days later, the account says that Mary and the other Mary went to the tomb and they found it empty and they found no body. They went back to the disciples and they say, he's, he's gone, Jesus is gone. Things weren't happening at that point the way that they assumed that they would happen. They thought now, Jesus would be like a, um, a military man and would come back and overthrow the government, and that didn't happen. So two of the followers, these aren't the apostles, but two of the followers are on the road walking away from Jerusalem to another town that was seven miles away called Emmaus. And they're walking together, and they're discussing what's happened and they're disappointed. you know. They're talking about how Jesus was crucified, they can't find the body, and what's going to happen now? They are preoccupied with this problem, and Jesus himself comes up and walks alongside these two men. And he says in verse 17, he says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they said, and they go through and and talk about his death and resurrection. And Jesus says to them in verse 25, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going further, but they urged him, Strongly stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he broke bread gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared from their sights. Jesus was right there next to them, but they were so preoccupied on their problem that they couldn't see him. I'm going to say that again. Jesus was right there next to them, but they were so preoccupied with their problem that they couldn't see him standing there. Friend, Jesus is right next to you today. Stop looking at your problem and turn your head and see that Jesus promises to be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He promises that he will never, ever, 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 ever leave you or forsake you. He is with you even to the very end of this age. That means until we are taken to heaven, he is with us. That he dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. Jesus is with you. And so today, right now, instead of looking at your problem today, right now, instead of being preoccupied with the things that are going on, turn your eyes to Jesus because he's right there next to you. And just like with the men who are walking to Emmaus, he opens the scriptures to us. If we take our Bibles and we find a place, we find a room and we go in and we close the door. And we don't just spend a a five minute timer, but we spend a lot of time and we say, God, speak to me. I'm going to call out to you. The Bible says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. Psalm 4 says, I call to you and I know that you're going to answer me, my righteous God. In this account, he explains the scriptures. And in your account, in your story, if you sit before the Lord, he'll explain to you. He's got answers. When we sit in the presence of God, and when we focus on God, all of a sudden, everything changes. All of a sudden, all the things that had unraveled us during the day seem to make sense. I wrote a thing on Facebook very recently, and I really like it. It says, in the presence of God our hope is restored. Our hope is restored because it's so easy to lose hope. It's so easy to look at the road we're walking and not the Jesus who's walking it with us. It's so easy to look at the road that we're walking and not at the Jesus who's walking it with us. Turn your eyes on Jesus. In his presence, our hope is restored. In his presence, our courage is forged. Our courage is forged. Courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. Courage is what gets you through the thing you're afraid of. Jesus will get you through the thing that you're afraid of. Jesus is your courage. We have to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but in everything. Acknowledge him. That's the road to Emmaus. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. All of a sudden, your path is going to make sense if you acknowledge that Jesus has a plan for your life and it's good. Our hope is restored. Our courage is, for, is forged. And all the things that unwinded us, all the things that came untwined, all of a sudden, they make sense. God says, even though this seems like a mess, I'm going to use it. Even though this looks like a disaster, I'm going to use it. I have a plan for that. I have a plan for that hurt. I have a plan for that offense. I have a plan for that sadness. I have a plan for that disappointment. I have a plan. Jesus says that because he knows more than us. He can see further than us. He's a God who's above time and space and governments and nations and and finances and relationships. He's above those things. He sees way beyond and sees so much deeper than we see. So we call to him and he answers us. He's got the answers to your life situation. He's got the answers to your life situation. And just like with the men on the road to Emmaus, he opens the scriptures to them so they finally understand it. He opens their eyes so they finally see him. I want my eyes to be open to understand scripture. I want my eyes to be open to see Jesus. I want to understand and I want to see. Do you want to understand and see today? Do you want to understand and see? Because the table is set. The meal is served. And all you need to do is come to the table. You see, prayer is not more available to me than it is to you. Prayer is not more available to, to uh, Billy Graham or Mother Teresa than it is to you. Prayer is not more available to your pastor than it is to you. Prayer is available to all of us. Prayer is that communication with God. You have an open line of communication with the God of the universe. Don't shy away from it. See, communion, the, the bread and the juice, it's the great equalizer, it puts us all around the same table. Jesus didn't die more for somebody else than he did for me. He didn't die less for someone than he did for me. He died the same death for each one of us. The blood that covers our sins, the blood of Jesus Christ that that takes away the sins of the world, takes away all of our sins equally. His body was broken for each of us equally equally. We all sit around the same banqueting table and there's room for you. There's room for each of us. We are all his sons and daughters. God made you. God formed you. Even before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. All the days of your life were recorded before you've even lived them. This is from Psalm 139. He knows you. The hairs on your head, the thoughts in your mind, the motives and intentions of your heart, he knows you. And if he cares for birds in the sky and flowers in the field, how much more does he care for you, his child? A friend of mine brought up the other day the parable of the knock at the door uh, where somebody is coming and asking uh, at midnight, comes in the middle of the night asking for something from his neighbor. And the neighbor says, go away, come back in the, no- in the morning. And he keeps knocking. And the neighbor says, go away, come back in the morning. And finally, because he keeps knocking, the neighbor comes down and gives him what he needs. How much more will your heavenly father answer you when you ask, when you knock, Seek me and you will find me. Jesus is walking right next to you on your road. Jesus is walking right next to you right now, calling out to you, will you just open your heart and listen to me? And God and Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, will explain the scriptures to you. There's this thing called the priesthood of the believers. That means we no longer have to come to a priest to have access to God. We all have a seat at the table. We all have access, the same access to the same God who promises to speak to us, who created us with a longing in our heart for him. Don't become so preoccupied with the road, so preoccupied with the problem, so preoccupied with the moment that we forget to turn our heads, we forget to turn our eyes to Jesus. In him, there's everything we need. In him, there is living water. In him, there is the bread of life. It's the word for today. Not yesterday's word. Not somebody else's word. But a word right for you in this season of your life. God wants to speak to you directly today. God wants to unstop your ears to hear a word from him. And the things that God speaks to me, nobody else could come up with. It's a thing that I need that I don't even know that I need that only he knows because he has formed me and created me. He's got a purpose and a plan for my life. If I would just stop and listen, I would just stop and recognize. I want things to go a certain way, just like the men on the road to Emmaus, they thought things are over, things are not great. This is not what we planned. I'm glad it's not what we planned. I'm glad it's what God planned. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. His rod and his staff, they'll comfort me. That means he's there. There's nowhere. Uh, Psalm says, if I go up to the heavens, there you are. If I go down into the depths, there you are. No matter where I am, your spirit is with me. You know my rising and my sitting down. You know everything about me. Whatever road you're on today, Jesus is walking with you, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So today, find your time to spend with Jesus. Time, not just a moment, but time to spend in the presence of God Almighty. He's got your answers. He's got everything you need. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. Open up your hands. Say, God, whatever you have, I'm listening. Take time in the presence of God, and he will restore and renew you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you go before us, you go behind us, you give us everything that we need. God, I pray that we would spend time in your presence, spend time reading your word. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak words directly to each and every person. Lord, thank you for our daily bread. You give us just what we need for today. You have everything we need. God, we praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You say we are a masterpiece. We are your poem. We are your creation. God, I pray that we would trust you. And I pray that we would listen. Jesus, thank you for all the ways you're moving in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.